وشرر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار يقول الإمام الذهبي رحمه الله تعالى الكبيرة الثالثة عشرة الإمام الغاش لرعيته الظالم الجبار We are now, insha'Allah, on the Kabira number 13 from the book Kitab al-Kaba'ir of Shaykh al-Islam al-Imam al-Dhahabi rahimahullahu ta'ala. And today's chapter is a chapter that's dealing with the fitna that we're living in in the dunya today as it relates to terrorism and as it relates to other than that from what has fallen upon this ummah and that is the chapter of the major crime and the major sin of being the imam or an imam or the leader or a leader of the muslims but you are a cheater you are ghash to your ra'iya you're the imam and you're the responsible person for the muslim or a muslim nation you're one of the responsible people from the fukam or from the a'imma and you are cheating the muslims as it relates to your responsibility they are your flock and you're responsible for them but you're cheating them and it's concerning the leader of the muslims who is a valim or he is a jabbar He's an oppressive leader. This chapter is the longest chapter in the book of Kitab al-Kaba'i. There's not another chapter that is longer than this chapter by itself. And this chapter has other branches that are connected to it as well, which make it even longer and vaster. And that goes to show that Imam al-Dahibi rahimahullahu ta'ala was a nasih to the a'imman, the leaders of al-Islam. And he gave nasiha to them in the correct way. He didn't give nasiha to them by getting on the member and causing the hearts of the Muslims to turn against them and to hate them even more. He didn't give them nasiha by trying to undermine their leadership so that he or his group can become people who are in their place but he gave them the nasiha by writing books like this in the hopes that other imams from the a'imma of the deen would teach the people about the religion the hukuk of the imam over the people who he's in charge of so this is the longest chapter in Kitab al-Kaba'ir and ikhwani, I have to say that we have to be people who are on the sirat al-mustaqim in all of our affairs, in our love and our hate. As we were mentioning, ikhwani, concerning al-i'tidal wal-insaf wal-al-adl, being fair, balanced, and just in all of our affairs. This is something that is matlub, it is desired in the deen. And we read Surah Al-Fatiha 17 times every single day. And we ask Allah to guide us to the middle course of Surah Al-Mustaqeem. So we have to be balanced in these issues. Like the issue of terrorism and other than that. As it relates to the issue of terrorism, it is an obligation on every sane Muslim and every leader of the Muslim to take the opportunity to denounce terrorism and to make it clear that this is not from our deen. But it would be oppressive to have leaders like we have today who are apologetic about the religion of Al-Islam. And they want to apologize and bend the rules about our religion out of fear that the munafiqeen from our community or those who hate our religion out of fear of making them upset. So we want to come, the leaders, and, and, and change the deen. And say that women don't have to wear hijab. Wallahi, they don't represent us. They don't want to give the other side of the story that even though we denounce terrorism very clearly and concisely without being apologetic. But at the same time, we say that the Kuffar should recognize that they, more than the Muslims, are responsible for creating people who do that. 
So they should take responsibility for what they do as well. So we have Imams who, Wallahi wala al-Imam al-Dhahabi mentioned today is applicable to them. They are ghash to the ra'iyya. They are cheating us as it relates to giving us instruction and giving us direction. So we want the balanced side of the story. We don't want it to be too far to the right or too far to the left. So Imam al-Dahabi rahimahullah ta'ala did an excellent job in this chapter and other than this chapter of warning any man or woman who takes responsibility of the affairs of the Muslims. Just two people from the Muslims as you're going to see. And the severity and the seriousness of that if you're not the man for the job. So the first ayahs that he bring are the two statements of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِنَّمَا السَّبِيرُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ يَذْلَمُونَ النَّاسَ وَيَبْغُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Verily the blame is only upon those people who oppress the people in the earth unjustly. They oppress them. And they also do evil in the earth without just cause. Those are the ones who will get a grievous penalty. Those leaders who are righteous and they're upright and they're fair, then those are not the ones who this ayat is talking about. This ayat is talking about those irreligious, oppressive leaders who are in the earth and they do vulm to people unjustly. They are the ones who will get a grievous penalty. And then he brought the ayat in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebuked the Yahud from Anil Kitab. When he said, and he described them, كَانُوا لَا يَتَنَاهَوْنَ عَنْ مُنْكَرٍ فَفَعَلُوا They used to not prevent each other from doing the evil deeds. They would not prevent each other. Their leaders would not prevent the common folk from doing the evil deeds. Instead, they used to join in with them and also help them to do it. So it's the responsibility of the leader in Al-Islam to facilitate the means and the ways to help the Muslims, the individuals, the Muslims to do that which is right and to stay away from that which is haram. Not to create for them the means and the ways to fall into that which is haram. Leaving them to be ignorant, allowing them to be on shirk and kufr and innovation and not to fight against it and to repel it. And then he brought a number of ahadith, a lot of ahadith, most of which are authentic. Like the statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyyatihi. All of you are ra'in, all of you are shepherds, are you in positions of responsibility? There are people who are under you who you're responsible for, your wife, your children, your sisters. The students who you teach, if you are teaching the school, in the secular school, all of you are shepherds and all of you are responsible for your flock. And the first person he mentioned to give details, imam ra'in And the leader of the Muslims is a shepherd and he will be held accountable and responsible for his flock. He said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam said, الظلم ظلمات يوم القيامة Oppression will be a reason and a cause of darkness يوم القيامة So the leader who is a ظالم and he's oppressing the people, the more people he oppress and the more oppression that he falls into, يوم القيامة, the more severe his darkness is going to be. Al-Imam al-Dhahibi rahimahullah ta'ala then brought a number of adillah from the authentic sunnah that speaks specifically to being responsible for the Muslims. The Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, أَيُّمَرَّاعِمْ غَشَّ رَعِيَّتَهُ فَهُوَ فِي النَّارِ any person who is a ra'i, any person who is a shepherd, and then he cheats his flock, he will be in the hellfire. As we mentioned, ikhwani, the ra'in, a ra'i, the one who is a shepherd, 
It can be the person who is deceased. He's the dead Muslim who didn't teach his wife and his children behind him how to behave when he dies. If he cheated them by not teaching them that they shouldn't wail and carry on in a way that's not permissible, then he gets a grievous punishment. The one who is a teacher and he allows his students to remain ignorant the etiquettes of the masjid, the etiquettes of the lesson, the imam in the salah we have in our masjid, an imam who knows how to read the Qur'an, walhamdulillah, an imam who when we hear him read the Qur'an, even if you don't know Arabic, you know that the man can read the Qur'an and his recitation is beautiful. But before starting the prayer, he wants to make sure that everyone is lined up correctly. There are people from our community who complain to the administration and say, why does he take such a long time to start the prayer? We have things to do. That's because that's what Rasulullah used to do Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Imam who gets up here and he just says Allahu Akbar and the lines are not straight, he is ghash to his ra'iyah. He is being a, one, a person who is not giving the rights to the ones who are under his authority. That's the religion of Al-Islam. The ra'i is the husband, the wife, is even the supervisor at your job. When the man is working for the Muslim, before his sweat dries, the Muslim man has to give him his money. And give him his money in full. Don't steal his money. All of those individuals, if they cheat the people under the authority, Rasulullah said the recompense for that, the reward for that is the nar of a jahannam. And Imam al-Bukhari brought the hadith that Imam al-Dahabi brought. And that is that he says, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, من استرعاه الله رعيةً ثم لم يحطها بنسخن إلا حرم الله عليه الجنة Anyone who Allah puts him responsible over the affairs of the Muslim, and then that individual does not take care of the job of giving them advice, Allah will make the paradise haram for him. So we have, as I mentioned, leaders over us who do not represent us. They don't represent us because they have no vision. And they don't represent us because in times like this, in the fitna, you see their true worth. They're the ones who say, if the Muslim woman fears or she thinks that someone is going to give her verbal abuse, then she doesn't have to wear the hijab. That is an imam who is ghash to the ra'iyah. Because there's that innocent girl who believes him because of his position and she takes off the hijab with ikhlas. Today. I was on my way to the masjid today. And one of my neighbors who I never saw in my life before stopped me. And he said, do you know any peer that you can send me to? I said, I don't know any peer except that they don't have knowledge and I would never see you to a peer that I know. Why do you ask? He said, because you see that man over there? And there were five men. Four of them were consoling one of the other ones. His wife left and we don't know where she is and she left the children. We need to go to a peer so that he can read for us something so they can bring the wife back. Had I said to him, I'm a peer. Had I said to him, yes, the peer in this door, that door, out of ikhlas, that's the way he's been trained about his religion, he would have gone to that individual. And then the peer would have read for him some potion and told him, drink it. And the man would have believed that. That's the condition of the Muslims today. And no one can deny it from amongst us. The Muslims have ikhlas as it relates to people who are in positions of leadership. But the Imam, all he wants to do is make more money. All he wants to do is to take advantage of the people. So we say, anyone that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put him in responsibility of the Muslims, he has to be careful. If he's going to be on the member, he has to be careful. Don't say Rasulullah said or did what he didn't say or do. Don't add on to the religion. What is not from this religion? As you're going to see, what Al-Imam Al-Dahabi brought, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Ma min Amir, Ashratan, Illa yu'ta bihi maglulatan yaduhu ila unaki, Atlaquhu adluhu, Awbaquhu jawruhu. There is not a single individual 
who Allah puts him over ten people's affairs from the Muslims. He's responsible for ten people. And then he'll come Yomokiyama and his hands will be tied to his neck. His justice will either free him or his oppression will destroy him. That's the person who has been put in responsibility of ten people. The Prophet says to Abu Dhar al-Ghaffari. Abu Dhar was an individual ikhwani who people today would describe him as being anti-sociable. He wasn't an individual who would sit and laugh and play around. He wasn't like that. He used to make inkar on the people. And the people didn't like sitting with Abu Dhar. Because they would take things lighthearted. And there were issues that they had a right to be lighthearted in. Abu Dhar wouldn't smile and he wouldn't laugh. He would make inkar. And he would tell them about the hellfire. Tell them about the sacrifices of the companions. And how you people are playing around. To the point where even the companions began to complain about Abu Dhar. So Umar radiallahu anhu took Abu Dhar and told him, Abu Dhar, you have to live outside of Medina by yourself. Because the people can't tolerate this level that you're on. He was serious. He made him call on Muawiyah. When Muawiyah was the governor of Asham. Abu Dhar was with Muawiyah. And Abu Dhar at every opportunity would tell Muawiyah, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is not permissible. You people are making too much money. You're living an opulent life. They complain. Ya Umar, you have to do something with Abu Dhar. Umar called him, Abu Dhar, what's the problem? Abu Dhar gave him all of his complaints and criticisms. Umar radiallahu anhu didn't say, I'm against you Abu Dhar, but he put him to live outside of Medina, from the money of the Bayt al-Man. The people can't handle you Abu Dhar. Despite that the Prophet told Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, Ya Abu Dhar, inni araka da'ifa. وَإِنِّي أُحِبُّ لَكَ مَا أُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِي فَلَا تَأَمَّرَنَّ عَلَى اثْنَيْنِ وَلَا تَوَلِّيَنَّ مَا لِيَتِينَ Abu Dhar, I see you as being a weak person. You're weak. So I advise you, don't be the emir over two people. If you're traveling and you're two people, the third, you have to have three. You have to choose an emir. Abu Dhar, you don't allow those two to choose you as the emir because you're weak. And don't be the one who's responsible for the money of the orphan, Abu Dhar. That's Abu Dhar. So what about us? So the one who's responsible for ten people, five people, seven people, he has a great responsibility. In another narration of that hadith of Abu Dhar, he told them the problem with being responsible for people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said about it, Ya Abu Dhar, innaha amana. وَإِنَّهَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ خِزْيٌ وَنَدَامًا إِلَّا مَنْ أَخَذَهَا بِحَقِّهَا وَأَدَّ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِ فِيهَا Abu Dhar, this is an amanah to be responsible for people. In the trip that you're traveling from here to London, it is a responsibility. Being the imam is a responsibility. Talking in front of the Muslims is a responsibility. Young people are listening to you and they are barely growing their beards. Their fingernails are barely growing in Islam. And they're listening to you. And they want to make tawbah. And you fill their heads up with nonsense that the boy goes to kill someone unjustly. And to destroy the lives of innocent Muslims across the nation. It's an amana. And it's khizyun in the dunya and the akhirah. So if you don't find that you have the ability or the knowledge, then no one says that it's your responsibility to be over the people in any shape, form, or fashion. The secretary of this masjid is not like the regular man who comes to pray. The president of this jam'iyah is not like the regular man who comes to pray. When you take responsibility of the affairs of the Muslims, it means that at times like this and other than this, you're going to be held accountable for your vision and your positions. And what did you do for the Muslims or against the Muslims? For Islam or against Islam? And Imam al-Dhahabi rahimahullahu ta'ala brought the next statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam which is a dua that Rasulullah used to make. And he used to say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allahumma man waliya amra hadhi al-umma shay'a 
فَرَفِقَ بِهَا فَرْفُقْ بِهِ وَمَنْ شَقَّ عَلَيْهَا فَشْفُقْ عَلَيْهِ Oh Allah, anyone who takes responsibility for any of the affairs of this ummah and he has ease and mercy towards my ummah, then you, O Allah, have mercy upon him. And anyone who takes responsibility for the affairs of the Muslims and he's rough and tough with them and he makes it difficult for them, then you make it difficult for them in the dunya and in the hereafter. As they did, O oh Allah, give them the reward for what they had put forth. And then he brought a number of a hadith that show that concept. He says, Sallallahu Alaihi wa ala alihi wa sallam, Sayakunu umara fasakatun jawratun, Faman saddaqa, Faman saddaqahum bi kathibihim wa anahum ala dhulmihim, Falaysa minni wa lastu minhum, Walan yarida alayya al-hawd. He said, verily they are going to be the end of time from the signs of Yawm al-Qiyamah. They are going to be leaders from the Muslims who are fasaqa jawra. They are people of fisk and they are oppressive. They are bad people in their behavior in the way that they are, the way they behave. And they also they are oppressive. Whoever believes them in the lies that they tell and whoever helps them in their vun, the oppression against the people, then that person is not from me and I'm not from him. And that individual will not be able to drink from my fountain, Yomul Qiyamah. So the reward will be based upon the action. Al Jaza min jins al amal. As you do, it will be done to you. Kama tu din tu That's the meaning of that particular hadith. Now the question, Ikhwani, for those who are always coming to ask, what is the ruling of Islam of uh, my son joining the non-Muslim army? The American non-Muslim army. What is the ruling of my Muslim son joining the, the, the police force? Rasulullah here وسلم, is talking about the imams, the leaders of the Muslims who are fasaqa, jawra. Whoever helps them and believes in them, then he will make a dua. That individual will not drink from his water. Now if it's from the non-Muslim army, it's from the non-Muslim police force, then from the Babel Ola, it makes more sense that it's a worse crime and the punishment is worse. worse. So it's not permissible. It's not permissible to help them on their oppression. It's not permissible. So that's a job that if a man is working in that job, he should get out of that job as soon as possible. Do I say that he should go AWOL and then get in trouble? Well, I don't say that. But he should look for another job. Just like the man who works in a bank should look for another job. Should he just stop his job? If he has the ability to do that without making more fit on himself, then yes. But I'm not going to say that's what he has to do. So the ruling of working for the kuffar in the armed forces, where they are oppressing people, is in this hadith. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, Ikhwani, we have our leaders who want to integrate. And what we want to integrate in, it is without any conditions. We're here, so let's become like the people. No, Islam doesn't allow you to become like the people. We have our own set of morals, our own set of rules. No one can come to change that. Islam is a religion that has flexibility and it allows us to coexist. You can live on Mars and practice Islam. You can live under the Atlantic Ocean and practice Islam. You can go out of the stratosphere in that space shuttle and practice this religion with the five pillars of Islam. But you cannot bend the rules in Al-Islam because you're living under the Atlantic Ocean. You can't bend the rules. You still have to wear hijab under the Atlantic Ocean. The person says, but there are the fish. The fish can't see me. But that's what Allah legislated. And no matter what people come to try to make it okay, it's not okay. And that's kufr. So our morals are different, Ikhwani, and we cannot allow those people who have put themselves up as our leaders and they're not qualified or competent to be the ones who are going to give us direction and they're using other than the Quran and the Sunnah for our direction. This is not permissible. He says, Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam, ma min qawmin yu'mal fihim bil ma'asi 
هم أعز وأكثر ممن يعمله ثم لم يغير ثم لم يغيروا إلا عمهم الله بإقام There is not and there will not be a group of people who do evil deeds and the good ones from amongst them are more powerful and the good ones from amongst them have more numbers but the good ones from amongst them do not stop them and change what they're doing except that Allah will cause all of them to be punished except that Allah will cause all of them to be punished our mother Umm Salima radiallahu anha asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he told him, when he told the companions about some of the signs of the hour and how the Muslims were going to be destroyed, a group of Muslims by the Ya'juj and the Ma'juj. And she asked, Ya Rasulullah, will we be destroyed and with us there will be righteous people? They are going to be righteous people with the Muslims. He said, no. إِذَا كَفُرَتْ الْخُبْثِ All of you will be destroyed if the evil becomes rampant. Because the responsibility of the religious ones from amongst you is to make dua, to leave, the people to leave the evil. The responsibility of the ulama and the religious ones from amongst you is to stop the people and to grab them by their hands. Not to remain silent, but to say something, to give the nasiha in the way that it should be given. So if there's a lot of evil, then yes, it's just not the ones who are doing the evil who are going to suffer. وَاتَّقُوا فِتْنَةً لَا تُصِيبَلَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاصَ You people should fear and be aware of the fitna, the punishment, that it doesn't just hit the people who are responsible for doing the evil. I'm going to skip the next hadith. It's not an authentic hadith and it's pretty long. We're going to skip it because of the time. Al-Imam al-Dahibi brought the next hadith that has some kalam in it, but because of the many chain of narrations, it is authentic. He said, وَعَنْ أَغْلَبَ إِبْنُ الْتَمِينَ قَالْ حَدَّثَنَا الْمُعَلَّى إِبْنُ الزِّيَادِ عَنْ مُعَاوِيَةِ إِبْنُ الْقُرَّى الْمَعْقَلِ بِنْ يَسَارِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَنِ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ سُنْفَانِ مِنْ أُمَّتِي لَا تَنَالُهُمَا شَفَاعَتِي سُلْطَانْ ظُلُومْ غُشُومْ وَغَالٍ فِي الدِّينِ He said that there are two people from my ummah. They will not receive and they will not be the benefactors. They will not receive my shafa'a yawm al-qiyam. The people are going to die and they're going to be in need of the shafa'at al-kubra. Rasulullah's ability وسلم, to have intercession for us. The people of the Kaba'i, the people will be in the hellfire. And Rasulullah will come وسلم, and no other prophet or nabi will be able to do it. He'll be the only one who will get the people out of the hellfire. But there are a group of people, two groups, who will not receive my shafa'a yawm al-qiyamah. The first one is the imam who is extremely oppressive and he's a cheat. He steals the money. And again, ikhwani, we have to be balanced. The da'wah of the Qur'an and the sunnah, according to the way the companions understood the Qur'an and the sunnah, it is a da'wah of al-i'tidal and being in the middle. We've given some people the concept and the idea that our da'wah is a da'wah in which we are in love with the oppressive hukam and we are against only, we're only against the Muslims who are doing evil even if it's the ones who are against the hukam and what is not acceptable. No, we can't make it appear like the hukam and al-Islam are angels and they're not doing any wrong. There's a distinction and a difference between getting on the member and talking bad about a particular hacker. It's not permissible. It's not permissible whether it's from the member or whether it's from this place for a person to sit and say, King so-and-so did that and he did that and he did. Whether you're in his country and you're not in his country, it's not permissible. But to make it appear as if those leaders are angels, that's also not fair and that's not just. People took our da'wah and said, this is the da'wah that the kuffar support, this da'wah. This is the da'wah in which these people are getting paid by those leaders. No, we have to be fair and just. This is the longest chapter in the book. Why? It's the longest chapter in the book even though it's not the most severest of the Qadair. Because the Islah and the Salah of the Hukam 
is going to have an impact upon the whole ummah. It's going to have an impact on the way we do business in the marketplace. It's going to have an impact on the economics of the dunya. The islah and the deen of the taqwa, of the hukam, is going to impact the whole dunya. And in contrast, the evil of the hukam, the evil of the Muslim leaders is also going to have an impact. So there's a distinction. Getting on the minbar is one thing, cursing them is one thing, making takfir of them is another thing, but recognizing that everyone is falling short of the mark, there's nothing in our religion that says something is wrong with that. So two people from his ummah sallallahu alayhi wa won't get his shafa'ah. Number one, the leader who is oppressive and he's a cheat. Number two, the one who is ghalim fiddin, the one who has ghulu in the religion. He goes overboard in his ghulu. He has ghulu in a particular sheikh. He has ghulu in a particular concept. He loves jihad so much that everything is jihad. He doesn't know anything about jihad. He doesn't know the real reason why jihad was legislated. He doesn't know about the rules and regulations of jihad. But he's an extremist and he goes overboard. So everything is about killing other people, justly or unjustly. Unjustly. That's ghulu. غلو الدين إياكم والغلو فإنما أهلك من كان قبلكم الغلو في الدين Beware and be careful of being extreme in your religion For verily those people who came before you they were destroyed because of their extremities in their religion They didn't want to get married to women they wanted to pray all day They started raising up men to the position of Allah ibn Allah Stay away from the ghulu and the deen. Inna min ijlalillahi ta'ala ikram di shaybat al-Muslim wa hamil al-Qur'an ghayru ghalifi wa la jafi anhu If you want to know how you can respect Allah and glorify Allah from respecting and glorifying Allah is by taking a person who's older in the religion and he has white in his beard and his head and you honor him. When you honor him, you honor Allah, you respect Allah. And also, if you want to respect and honor Allah, then do so with the one who memorized the Quran. But he described the one who memorized the Quran, the one who deserves our respect. He said, ghalifi, The one who doesn't go overboard in the Quran. What does it mean to go overboard in the Quran? To read it and to apply the ayats and the verses of the Quran in ways that Allah didn't want them to be applied. فَمَنْ اَعْتَدَى عَلَيْكُمْ فَاعْتَدُوا عَلَيْهِ بِمِثْلِ مَا اَعْتَدَى عَلَيْكُمْ People have taken that ayat of the Quran. And whoever oppresses you, then oppress them back similar to what they oppress you with. So they oppressed our brothers in Iraq, and they oppressed our brothers in Palestine, and they oppressed our brothers in Afghanistan, and they oppressed our brothers all across the globe. They continue to oppress our brothers right now in Gujarat, in India. They oppressed our brothers in Kashmir, all over the world. They oppressed our brothers. So the Muslim comes and he says, Allah said in the Quran, whatever they oppress you with, oppress them back similar to what they oppress you with, so blow them up in the subway. That's ghulu. That's an extreme understanding of the Quran. Would anyone in his right mind sit in here, take that ayat and say that the Muslim woman who was raped by a non-Muslim, now he has the right to go and he can rape that non-Muslim man's mother or sister? Would anyone say that? Al-ghulu in the religion of Al-Islam is not permissible. So, al-i'tidam, being balanced in all of our affairs. Al-Imam al-Dahabi rahimahullahu ta'ala, ikhwani, he went on to say that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam said, Inna ashadda al-nasi adhabin yawmul qiyama, imamun jair. Verily, the one who will get the worst and the most grievous punishment, yawmul qiyama, will be the oppressive iman. وعن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أيها الناس أيها الناس مروا بالمعروف وانهوا عن المنكر قبل أن تدعوا الله فلا يستجيب لكم وقيل 
وقيل أن تستغفروا فلا يغفر لكم إن الأحبار من اليهود والرحبال من النصارى لما تركوا الأمر بالمعروف والنهي عن المنكر لعنهم الله على لسان أنبيائهم ثم عمهم بالبلاء Oh you people, order each other and enjoin the good and what is correct upon yourselves and prevent each other from doing evil. Before the time comes when you people will make dua to Allah and Allah will not answer your dua because you don't do these things. And you will seek the forgiveness of Allah for your evil and your crimes and your mistakes but Allah will not forgive you because you didn't order with the ma'roof and prevent the munkar. Verily the monks and the priests from the Yahud and the Nasara they left alone ordering each other with the ma'roof and preventing each other from the munkar to the point that they were cursed by their prophets before them and the fitna and the trials befell all of them. And then he brought the hadith that's well known. And this is from the fiqh of Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi. مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ Whoever invents something and introduces something in our religion that's not from it, it will be rejected. And then the other hadith that has to be understood with this, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ حَدَثًا أَوْ آوَى مُحْدِثًا فَعَلَيْهِ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ لَا يَقْبَلُ اللَّهُ مِنْهُ صَرْفًا وَلَا عَدْلًا Whoever introduces an innovation or he protects an innovator then the curse of Allah and the curse of the angels and the curse of all the people upon that individual and Allah won't accept from him any of his deeds whether they are from the wajibat or the nawafil. Khwani and Imam al-Dhahabi brought these two hadith as it relates to the Imam because usually if the Imam is doing his job like Umar radiallahu anhu and other than Umar when they were the leaders of the Muslims they used to repel the people of innovation and they would not give the people of innovation an opportunity to allow their innovations to spread there was a young man as you all know the story his name is Sabir and he used to go after those ayat of the Quran those verses of the Quran that were hard to understand especially for the common folk and he would go to the regular people and ask the regular people about these issues what does this mean, what does that mean thus causing the people to become confused in the religion Umar anhu summoned the man to his court when they brought him he tied him up and he whipped the man and he whipped him seriously until the man came back to his senses asked for the forgiveness of Umar anhu. after that Umar just didn't forgive the man he expelled him and said you have to get out of Medina for one year and no one should do business with you no one should marry you no one should talk to you for one year and then that's when we're going to see whether or not you really made Tawbah Al-Imam Umar Ibn Abdul Aziz used to be like that with the people of innovation the leader so he brings these two ahadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu because if the Imam is doing his job you won't have the people who are corrupting the religion and the ideas and concepts of the people you won't have them be given, be given the free reign to teach the people what is not from the deen the Imam will take the responsibility to put the right person there for the job so innovation in the religion is usually supported by the leader Innovation in the religion is usually supported by the leader. He brought a number of hadith about having rahmah upon those who are in the earth. Like the statement, مَن لَا يَرْحَمْ لَا يُرْحَمْ Whoever doesn't have mercy upon the people, mercy will not be shown upon him. He brought a number of those hadith that are basically saying the same thing. If you don't have mercy on those who are in the earth, the one who is in the sana or over the sky, over the seven heavens, over his throne, in a way that befits his majesty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will not have mercy upon that individual. وَقَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ مَا مِنْ أَمِيرٍ يَلِي أَمُورُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ ثُمَّ لَا يَجْحَدُ لَهُمْ وَيَنْصَحُ لَهُمْ إِلَّا لَمْ يَدْخُلْ مَعْهُمْ الْجَنَّةِ There is not an individual who takes responsibility of the affairs of the Muslims. And then he doesn't do everything in his power to look out for them and to give them advice. Except that he will not enter into the paradise when they enter into the paradise. He'll go into the paradise, insha'Allah. He dies with La ilaha illallah, and he didn't make a stihlal. 
He didn't make halal and Allah made haram. He'll go into the Jannah. But he won't go into the Jannah along with the Muslims according to this particular hadith. He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, مَنْ وَاللَّهُ اللَّهُ شَيْءٍ مِنْ أَمُورِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَاحْتَجَبَ دُونَ حَاجَتِهِمْ وَخَلَّتِهِمْ وَفَقْرِهِمْ اِحْتَجَبَ اللَّهُ دُونَ حَاجَتِهِ وَخَلَّتِهِ وَفَقْرِهِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Whoever, Allah makes him responsible for the affairs of the Muslims. And then that individual puts a hijab or a barrier between him and the Muslim who was in need. He's responsible, but the one who was in need cannot contact him. Or he puts a barrier between himself and the one who was a, he's a poor person and he needs the financial assistance. But he can't get it because there's a barrier between him and the leader. Allah Ta'ala Yumul Qiyamah will put a barrier between him, Allah, and between that particular leader or imam. وَقَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ الْإِمَامُ الْعَادِلُ يَذِلُّهُ اللَّهُ فِي دِلِّهِ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامِ The fair and the just imam, Allah will shave him in his shade, يَوْمُ الْقِيَامِ So from the benefits now, Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi is encouraging the one who's responsible for the Muslims and he's telling us about the rewards now for being a person who takes care of your job. The first hadith in the ayah, we're dealing with the tarheed, being a person who's doing a bad job. Now he brings some of the adillah to show the reward of doing a good job. The fair and the just iman will be from the seven people who will get the shade of Allah's shade under his throne, Yom Qiyamah, for his justice and his fairness. From those seven people, the very first person that Rasulullah mentioned was the imam who is just. The imam who is just. And then the young man who spent his time in the ibadah of Allah. The one who's 25, 17, 20, 25, 30, 35. He's a young man. He's one of the seven people. He's the second one. Because normally he's not going to be religious. Or he's going to find time to waste because of his youth. So the first one is the iman. Because when he's just, the khayr and the good is going to spread in the dunya. And the second one is the iman or the young man who's connected to making ibadah. The third one is the man who his heart is connected to the masjid. He comes for one salat and he leaves and he can't wait for the next salat to come back. He stays between Maghrib and Isha. He knows whoever makes the Isha in the jama'ah in the masjid. It is as if he prayed half of the qiyam al-layl in the nighttime. Whoever prays Al-Isha in the Fajr, in the Masjid, it is as if he spent the whole night in Qiyam because he prayed those two prayers in the Jama'ah in Al-Islam. So he's the third one. The fourth one, the two men who love each other and they only love each other for Allah They only love each other for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those two men. And then number six, the man who, he has the fitna of the Nisa. The woman who is beautiful, the woman who's a fitna, he may be making zina with her right now, but he wants to get out of it. He's on the way to making zina with her. But he says, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to continue on this road because I fear Allah. Number six is the one who when he was by himself, his eyes shed tears from the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The seventh individual will be protected from in the shade of Allah, from the sun and the heat, will be the individual who gave sadaqah. But he gave sadaqah ikhwan with ikhlas. He gave sadaqah to the degree that his left hand didn't know what his right hand gave. Not like what we have today. The one who gives the most sadaqah, he calls the shots in our masajid. The family who's well known for giving the sadaqah and they read their name over the radio in Ramadan, they're the ones who call the shots because their family gave the sadaqah. The one who gave the most sadaqah with us, he's the one if the relative dies in another country, then we'll make salat al-ghaib for him. But the one who we don't know that he's given sadaqah, when his relative dies, we don't make salat al-ghaib over him. Or for him. So it's hypocrisy in our community. So Al-Ikhlas, those are the seven people. The Imam is the first one. 
from the rewards of being a just and a fair imam is that the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam al-muqsituna ala manabir min nur al-lazina ya'adiluna fi hukmihim wa ahlihim wa ma wallu Verily those people who are fair and just in the way that they judge. They're fair and just in the way that they judge. And they judge with justice as it relates to their families and as it relates to those who they've been put in charge over. They will be on minbars made out of nur yomul qiyamah. In another narration of this hadith, ikhwani, the hadith said that they will be on the right side of ar-Rahman and both of Allah's hands are right hands. They will be on the right side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And both of his hands are right hands So that's from the reward of being a fair and a just iman From the narrations of this particular hadith Rasulullah says وسلم, That the anbiya have ghibtha Or al-hasad that's permissible The prophets of Allah They will be jealous They will be envious of the people who will get this reward, Yomul Qiyamah, and the Anbiya, that will be their reward as well. Showing the significance and the high level of that particular form of ibadah. And Imam al Dahabi brought the second part of the famous hadith Shiraru a'immatikum al-ladina tubghidunahum wa yubghidunakum wa tal'anunahum wa yal'anunakum. Qalu ya Rasulullah. أَفَلَا نُنَابِذُهُمْ قَالَ لَا مَا أَقَامُوا فِيكُمُ الصَّلَاةِ He said the worst imams that you have, the worst imams, are those who you hate them and they hate you. You curse them and they curse you. You make dua against them and they make dua against you. And Imam al-Dahabi brought the second half. I don't know why he didn't bring the first half, especially since he was dealing with a hadith that are talking about the virtues of being a good imam. The first half of the hadith, خِيَارُ أَمَّتِكُمْ الَّذِينَ تُحِبُّونَهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَكُمْ وَتُسَلُّونَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَيُسَلُّونَ عَلَيْكُمْ The best imams, leaders, are those who you love them and they love you. And you make dua for them, and they make dua for you. This hadith, ikhwani, has been rejected even though it's in Sahih Muslim, by some of the people who want to make takfir of the leaders today. In the chain of narration, in the chain of narration, there is a man by the name of Muslim, Ibn al-Qarada. And they said that he was machhul al-hal, he's not known. But al-Imam Muslim brought this hadith and put it in the middle of his book. And the asal of his book, which goes to show is the tawfiq. Is al-Imam Muslim saying that is okay? Al-Imam al-Bazaar, the sahib of the Musnad, he said that Muslim hada mashhur. The man is well known. Al-Imam al-Dahabi in his book al-Kashin said the man is thiqa. But these brothers who we have today, because there's some kalam in this narrator, they reject the hadith. Why? Because they have another understanding of the hadith. The hadith said, and the worst imams are the ones who you make dua against them, and they make dua against you. So they say, this is a proof that we can make dua against the leaders on the minbar or other than that. We can make dua against any particular leader. We say that's not from the religion of Islam. You can't make dua against people specific people like that. You have to generalize and you can't make dua against specific people. So the hadith is in Sahih Muslim and it is authentic. But the other extreme of these people, the other extreme is wherever you go, it doesn't make a difference what country it is in, whoever does it. And that is the practice that the imam does in which he makes dua for the imam all the time, the way that they're doing it. This is not something that the companions used to do. No matter where it is done, our religion is what Rasulullah said وسلم, and what the companions did. So you go to certain places and every Friday they give us a dua for the leader by his name and his brothers and his family every week. That's not from the sunnah. Like it who like it, hate it who hate it. That's not what the companions were upon and that's not what Rasulullah was upon. So we're going to stop there, ikhwani, even though there are a lot of other hadith to go in this particular chapter. 
But I want to translate the last part of the chapter of this particular hadith. The worst imams are those people who they make dua against you, you make dua against them. They hate you and you hate them. You curse them and they curse you. The companions say, Ya Rasulullah, shall we not fight them? Shall we not break the bay'ah, the pledge of allegiance that we gave to them? Shall we not deal with them? He said, no. As long as they establish the salat, as long as they establish the salat, which goes to show ikhwani the importance of the ruqan or the pillar of the salat in al-Islam. And it also goes to show the impermissibility of making khuruj against the leader in al-Islam. If you gave the man the bay'ah, or the man has been put in charge of the country, even though you didn't give him the bay'ah, he's in charge of the country, he's responsible for the country. Wallahi, it's our responsibility to hear and to obey in that which is from the deen. And we don't listen in those things that are not from the deen if we're ordered to do what is wrong. We give them their rights, and when they don't give us their our rights, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for our rights. If they take our money and they strike our backs, the religion of Al-Islam said to be patient with them. Why? Because if you're not patient with them and you make khuruj against them and you fight against them and the leader of the Muslims is taken away, then the fitna of his absence is going to be greater than the fitna that you think you didn't like when he was there. So, one, one night without a leader, as the Imams used to say, Abdullah bin Mubarak and other than him, one night, one night without the leader in Al-Islam. One thousand years with an oppressive leader is better than that one night without one leader at all. One thousand years and we're under the yoke of an oppressive leader who's taking the money, striking our backs, putting us in prison. He's doing all of the crimes. One thousand years under his leadership is better than one night without a leader at all. Because when there's a leader, there's going to be some respect for the system. He's going to establish some of the hudud. The people's lives and properties for the most part are going to be protected. But when there's no leader, wallahi, Iraq is. Iraq is the laboratory during our time in which we saw the wisdom of what Rasulullah was talking about You ask any Iraqi, what do you prefer? A Saddam. Saddam or what's going on right now? They're going to say ten times what Saddam was upon. We, we, we prefer that than what's going on right now. Ten times. Ten portions of what he used to be. Why? Because there's no safety right now. There's no safety. There's not a leader. A recognized leader. So we're going to stop here inshallah. There are quite a few more hadith. All of which are authentic. But we don't have time for dealing with all of them. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring back to the Muslims our rush and the majd of our religion. And He makes us of those people who are balanced in our religion. And he gives us the strength to be people who stand up for justice for His religion. And we ask Him to protect, inshaAllah ta'ala, the deen of Islam and the Muslims who are under this religion. And that He makes correct for us ourselves and all of the leaders in Islam who protect us from the plan of those who plan. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the blessed, best of plans. Two questions, inshaAllah, if you brothers have any questions today concerning this lesson today and that'll be it now akhuna hada wa hada that's an excellent question, Ikhwani, as it relates to the leader who does ijtihad. He does everything within his power and his ability to arrive and to deduce a hukum, a particular rule in al-Islam. And then as a result of doing his ijtihad, he makes a mistake. Can we say that that particular leader is cheating? No, he's not cheating. Nor is that scholar cheating. 
And we like that question because that question is a question that is in defense of the scholars of Al-Islam and it's also a question that protects us from being extreme because those people who don't like what a particular scholar says for an example they'll pronounce takfir upon him because he said yes it's permissible to do this or to do that to use the kuffar it's permissible to use the kuffar out of compulsion we can use them so that person says he's a non-muslim because he's helped he's taken the kuffar as a helper so the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam إِذَا اجْتَهَدَ حَاكِمْ فَأَصَابَ فَلَهُ أَجْرًا وَإِنْ أَخْطَأَ فَلَهُ أَجْرٌ وَاحِدٌ If the scholar or the leader, if they make an effort, they make ijtihad and they get it right, they get two rewards. And if they get it wrong, they get one reward. And it can even be in riba. It can even be in riba. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said that riba and nasi was permissible and it's not haram. And it's haram. It's haram. But he said that that type of riba is permissible. We don't have time to go into what it is. But it's a type of riba. He said this is not riba. But it is riba. But he gets one reward. It can be something that the scholar may ijtihad in and it costs people their lives. Ali ibn Abi Talib and Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan radiallahu anhumah when those two groups clashed and people lost their lives like Ammar ibn Yasir and other than him they will get rewarded for that war that took place why? because they were mujtahidun so if the scholar or the leader makes ijtihad to the best of their ability and they get it wrong we don't say that that's cheating Unless he wasn't qualified to say that the lady can take her hijab off because she thinks there's going to be a problem, that's cheating. And that's not ijtihad. To say that the woman, if she feared that there will be verbal abuse, then that's not ijtihad, that's cheating. No one in his right mind will say something like that except a person who is out of his right mind or he wants to integrate at all costs. Wallahu a'ala. Na'amahi. The question is, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, you make a fear upon the Tatars, although the Tatars are Muslim, but the point was the Tatars, they were ruling according to Yasir, which was the book of Chandra's Quran. And they were not ruling according to Quran and Sunnah. That's why Imam Al-Taymiyyah, he made the fear upon them, he made jihad against them. So are these carriage rulers, not all, I mean some, aren't they worse than the Qatars? No, I don't think there's any ruler from the Muslims on the face of the earth who's worse than the Tatars. Anyone who knows the history of the Tatars and the murder of the Tatars, and he's fair and he's just, he's not going to make that comparison. It's worse than comparing apples with oranges. It's worse. As it relates to the Muslim rulers and those who are ruling over the Muslims today, the issue of a takfir, it is a hole. It's a deep hole and it's a dangerous hole that has thorns in it and fire and burning oil. So everyone should avoid delving into the affair because Allah didn't make you responsible to be the one who figures this out. Listen to what the ulama of Al-Islam have to say, people of knowledge as it relates to pronouncing takfir on that leader or that leader. And that's it, you'll be okay. I don't understand. What is the problem with some people that we feel there's a responsibility that makes me uneasy and I'm not taking care of my responsibility that I'm not giving a ruling for each and every ruler in, uh, over the Muslims today, in the Muslim world today. If we died not knowing who's a kafir from amongst them, Allah is not going to hurt you, inshallah. If you die, there are some things that are farduain upon you that are taking more precedence over you knowing who are the Muslims from them and who are not the Muslims. 
And we're not giving our time and consideration to knowing about those things and taking care of those things as it relates to our personal lives and our ra'iyah, those people we're responsible for. And then we become preoccupied with fulan and alan from the leaders. And Allah is not going to ask you about him. Nor is he going to ask him about you, Allahu Adam. You're going to die and there's no connection between you and him. So, in my opinion, the Tatars are not remotely similar to what the people are doing today. We don't pronounce takfir over people unless we have scholars who preceded us to that issue.